Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph holds wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. I recently had a pretty good wake-up call. I was reading a book by a new friend of mine, a guy named Jim Graff, and he's a pastor in Texas, a big church in a small town, tells a story about how when he got started, he was, you know, church starts to grow and good things are happening, and then inevitably he gets the offer to go to the bigger city and get the bigger church, and he starts to look at it as a promotion. And and as he begins to pray and seek the Lord, he realizes that God has gifted him to do a unique thing, to reach people in an underreached part of the United States. And so my relationship with him started out um, speaking at a conference that they do for churches that pastors are, are from churches that are in smaller communities than rural areas. There's a big distinction, by the way, between a small town and a rural area. A rural area is where, you know, people live a half mile from each other. A small town, uh, depending upon who's defining it, is a town of less than 15,000 people, or some people would say a town of, of fewer than 25,000 people. And when you start to tally up the numbers, if you're looking at it as 25,000, then there are 90 million people. 90 million people would actually be the 13th largest uh, country in the world. And so we all know that the United States is like the third largest mission field in the world. It's the only continent in North America where the gospel is not only not growing, the only continent where the gospel is not growing, but it's actually shrinking. And then when you start to just isolate the people who live in small towns and in rural places, then you realize that we're looking at the 13th largest mission field in the world, and it's just largely untouched. And, you know, I grew up in a kind of a odd suburban urban environment. When I was a little kid, uh, we lived in urban neighborhoods, and then we eventually you know, made the great move to the suburbs that was going on in the 1950s. And and my dad came home from the war and got the GI Bill and the whole thing. And 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 yet I went to a church that was in an urban area. We but it was a freeway church. Everybody lived in the suburbs and then drove into the church and lamented the fact that nobody was reaching the neighborhood anymore. And they really weren't reaching the neighborhood. And there were plenty of neighbors there. It just wasn't on our radar screen. My first job was in an urban area. It was actually uh, third in Burnside in Portland, Oregon. If you know that place, it's it's right in the urban center of the city. Actually, the center of the city that's being rejuvenated today. But when I was there, it was the decaying center of the city. And I, I went to a, a unique high school. It was a science and math school. It was all boys. You had to test out to get into it. But... It was a public school, and uh, so, again, my friends all came from the suburbs all over the city, uh, but we met in an urban place, and we found ourselves pretty much blind to what was going on in the urban areas around us. At the same time, where I lived, I could ride my bicycle to where there were cows. So I'm living in a suburban neighborhood, um, but very, very close to the, the cows, and I can remember a place called Gresham, Oregon, that was, you know, like way out in the sticks, probably 10 miles from where we lived. And 
Uh, today, it's one of the major centers of population growth in Portland. Uh, we'd go to a state park to go camping, and, and now that's a city park. And so um, the world has changed, and sometimes we're just not keeping up with the changes in the world. In fact, in the 1980s, uh, population in rural areas and small towns was shrinking and shrinking pretty quickly. And then in the 90s, that thing turned around, and it, it turned around quite well. And so now we're seeing this uh, grand out-migration from the suburbs to the rural areas and to the small towns of America. And, it, you know, they're, they're bringing with them the, the high-tech industry. They're bringing with them the coffee bars. They're bringing with, with them the, you know, the craft breweries. They're bringing with them everything but the church. And, uh, in fact, sadly, the church in small-town America is shrinking. Uh, we know that it's shrinking pretty much everywhere in America. i got some t- statistics I want to go over in just a minute. But um, the shrinkage that's happening is, is happening in terms of church more quickly in small-town America and rural America than it is in the suburban areas. And there are some reasons for this. Um, we know that mainstream, the old denominations, uh, that um, many have gone kind of liberal, uh, those churches are shrinking much faster than evangelical churches and, and certainly shrinking much faster than the new wave of church plants that's oftentimes microchurch and organic church. Uh, that stuff is happening and is bringing new life. But uh, we're still not keeping up with the population, and we, you know, we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, think about this for a little bit. Most of the churches that were the kind of the centerpiece of rural and small-town America are those old mainline denominations that are slowly fading away. And so that's affecting uh, this population where all these new people are moving in. So we not only are, are not servicing the new people, we're not servicing the people um, who were there. And we need to do something about that. And we need to see this in terms of, of an opportunity, but we also need to see it in terms of a responsibility that uh, we open our eyes and, and look at the fields that are white unto harvest. You know, I think of, of Peter and um, the whole deal with the Gentiles and the call that he got to go down to Caesarea and to to um, meet with the the family that he met there with. And and how, you know, it took this vision from the Lord and um, rise, kill, and eat, and this whole thing that, that was just anathema to Peter. Well, it's anathema to us to go into small towns. I think we're just blind to the need and we're blind to the opportunity that's there. And yet this is really serious business. It's something that we really need to be thinking about. There's millions of people that are fleeing the, the suburban commuter lifestyle to move to the rural areas and to the small towns. Uh, their needs need, are, are are vast. But then there's the people who have traditionally lived there who oftentimes are kind of living in poverty. Uh, economies haven't kept up in small places like they have in large places. And so this isn't at all like the nasty white flight that uh, we knew a, a generation ago. Uh, this is just a migration of American people, but the church needs to migrate with it, and that's where you and I come in. We've got to begin to th- be thinking about the needs that are there, the opportunities that are there, and and doing what we can to plant churches and and rebuild the core in those small places. Um, one of the problems that we have is that where church is growing, it gets a lot of attention. You know, we think a lot about. Uh, mega churches because they get rid of them in the magazines, the pastors write the books, all that. But mega churches are a suburban 
uh, mostly, or exurban uh, model of church. And when I say exurban, that's kind of where the suburbs meet the cows. That's where you can buy 20 acres of farmland, and then the population is going to move out around it, and it makes it pretty easy to build a big church. You know, I have a friend in San Diego County, the day I met him, he he pulled me aside and, and said, there's something that you need to know about me. And, um, you know, it's like got real serious. I'm going, yeah, what's that? And he goes, well, you know, people are going to tell you that I pastor the biggest church in the town that I'm in. And there's a reason for that. And I want you to know the reason. And the reason is that when nobody lived there and it was just scrubland, the pastor before me had vision, moved out there and bought this huge piece of property. And they were literally the first church in the community because the community built up around them. And you know what? If you're the first one there, you're probably going to be the biggest. And so if somebody tells you that I pastor the biggest church in the community, I just want you to know that the only reason it's the biggest is that we were there first. And and so that's often the case. But, you know, we attribute all kinds of wonderful things to churches that grow more quickly than others. But frankly, sometimes they grow because there's cheap land. Sometimes they grow because there's in-migration of population. Uh, it's been pretty easy to build suburban churches in America. And while we've done that, we've kind of ignored the small places. And by small places, I'm talking about the urban places. I have a friend in uh, Nebraska that has, you know, kind of cased the the 15 villages in urban North Omaha, Nebraska. And they have a goal to plant a church in every single one of those villages. That's one of the small places in America. The small towns in America are the other place. The rural places are the other place. We need to be thinking a little bit differently than we thought in the past. You know, my experience as a pastor has been in suburban churches. I pastored in, you know, Hermosa Beach, California. It's a small town. It's a place where real estate is expensive. There's some real hardships in in Hermosa Beach. But you know what? If you want to do midweek home groups, it's pretty easy because there's parking up and down the streets. I moved to Hawaii and we ended up, we couldn't find a place that would rent to us. There wasn't the infrastructure of, of aging industry, which makes it pretty easy to find buildings for for churches, that wasn't there, but we were able to meet in public schools. And again, just the issue of uh, midweek home groups, we were able to do it in homes or to do it in apartments because there was parking. And then I moved to the to the very edge of where urban Honolulu meets the suburbs. And we were in a movie theater, an expensive place to be. Uh, I spent $125,000 a year for five hours on Sundays. And, um, of course, there's a blessing in that, that you don't have to be the janitor and you don't have to pay for the air conditioning and utilities. And, you know, that was a really nice thing. But um, when somebody lost the home that they were meeting in for one of our midweek groups, I go, well, why don't you just meet in somebody else's apartment? And they go, because there's no parking. And the truth was there was no parking. And before I left that church, uh, it never grew really large. I was there only about five years, but it grew to about 300 people. And 60% of our, quote, home groups were meeting in food courts in malls or in coffee shops or McDonald's or other places because there was parking that was there. And so we just got to begin to change our paradigm and and look at uh, these small places as real places and as important places and then begin to think, what do we have to do creatively to get into those places and, and take the gospel where it needs to go? And, you know, I said before, this is serious. In the 1970s, 
More than 90% of all Americans called themselves Christians, one stripe or another. Today, according to Pew Research, that number has fallen to just 71%. That is a huge fall off. That's um, serious, scary, scary stuff. In the early 1970s, 53% of people polled said that they attend church once a month. Now, once a month isn't exactly hot stuff. Uh, but in the early 2010s, that number has fallen down to less than half the people in our country. 43% of the people in America say they've gone to church um, one time in a month. And those who say that they attend on a regular basis, the people that you would can actually consider your members functionally, uh, this this number was 38% in the 1970s, and today it's fallen to 28%. We are seriously losing ground. And when you consider the fact that the U.S. population in every decade for the last three decades grows by almost an equal number to the number of people that are attending church. In other words, all of the Christians who are regularly attending church all over the United States just add that many babies every decade. And, And yet church size is shrinking. So we're proportionally shrinking much faster than the numbers would show us, at least the raw numbers. And so just I'm trying to learn how to, to think in a, in a different lens, you know. And I, I'm thinking about uh, Philip going down to Samaria. Uh, it took persecution to get the church out of Jerusalem. I'm praying that it doesn't take persecution for us to get the church out of the suburbs and into the urban areas and into the small areas in the countryside um, I think of Paul and the Macedonian vision. And in my mind, I've kind of had a Macedonian call this week. And, you know, we, we've we always um, planted churches in small places, even when I was in California. And it's pretty hard to get to a small place from where we were in, in the beach in, in Manhattan Beach in Hermosa Beach, California. Uh, but we were reaching into San Diego County and into Ventura County into some small places. But it was an afterthought. The same was true in Hawaii. We were a big suburban church in Oahu, and we were planting churches in the suburbs all over the place. And yet we uh, just by kind of naturally, just an outfall, planted in some small places. There were people that were involved in our church that lived in small places. We made disciples. They grew up. They, they became church planters. So we planted the small place, but we never did it intentionally. We never really, really thought about, you know, we were uh, considered ourselves a hub-and-spoke model. And I think you ought to consider your church, even if you're only a hub with no spokes, you ought to begin to think of your church as a hub and spoke model that uh, we're here and God put us here with a call to reach a geographic region around us and to probably reach overseas. Every time that we sent a pastor out, we would always commission them. One thing that you need to do is pray that you meet somebody from another country that you can work with and use that person as a pathway into that country. Uh, now we're saying look for somebody in another culture. And now from now on, I'm going to say look for somebody in those small places, the urban small place or the or the, the farm town small, small place, but that we would begin to have vision for people who we haven't thought of before. As I get into this, I uh, there's a scripture that I came across recently that I just, you know, I probably read it a thousand times, but I didn't know it was in the Bible. And it's in Mark chapter 1, verse 38. I'm reading from the NIV. And it says, Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else. You know, let's get out of town here. Let's go somewhere else. And he says to the nearby villages. 
And then he says, so I can preach there also. But the most important thing that he says in this passage to me is, that is why I have come. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Now, I don't think, and I don't think you think, that Jesus only came to reach people in the small villages. But he certainly did come to reach people in the small villages. And somehow, I've just spent my whole life overlooking those people in those small villages. It's just been an afterthought. You know, there's been this kind of a us-them mentality that's crept into my thinking. It's like, we're doing a great job. You know, we're planting churches, and they're growing, and they're planting churches, and they're growing, and they're planting churches. And by the way, we've planted a lot of churches, particularly overseas in very small places. But we just never really thought about it. And when I thought about the church in the rural areas, particularly, that is shrinking, it was really an us-them thing. We're hot. We're doing something really great. There's something wrong with them. And, I, you know, I would ask you this, the, the question, are you an us versus them thinker? Uh, or are you a come to my church versus a how can we get the gospel into every corner of the land thinker? My paradigm has changed. Now, I'm an old man. I'm not about to go out and plant another church. But I certainly am in a situation where I can make the siren call. And that's what I'm trying to do right now is to wake you up and get you thinking about how can we get the gospel into the small places? How can we get the gospel into every corner of our land? Here's the last question for you. Do you believe that small towns and rural areas are central to God's plan for the church? Do you believe that urban inner city neighborhoods are central to God's plan for the church? Do you believe, in fact, that in high-rise places in America, where you could probably have a house church on every floor of every high-rise building, that those places are central to God's plan for the church. Because if you do, you're going to behave differently than you have behaved in the past. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.